Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 97 of the Money Love Podcast. Y'all, I have another incredible guest on the show today. I am so excited for you guys to listen in on our conversation all about ADHD and how ADHD impacts your finances and also your spending habits. I cannot wait to tell you about my guest this week. She is truly fantastic. I loved talking to her. The hour that we spent together was so fun, so enlightening, so informative. Let me go ahead and tell you about today's guest. So this week, I am talking to the wonderful Kristen Carter. And Kristen is an ADHD expert. She's a top podcast host, and she is an internationally recognized life coach for adults with ADHD. She has extensive experience supporting people with ADHD, which began back in 2012. And for the last four years, she has provided coaching and consulting to thousands of ADHD adults. ADHD isn't just a buzzword for Kristen. It's her life's work. And she started studying ADHD and its effects on adults long before it was a trendy buzzword on TikTok. And she has had the privilege of learning directly from leading psychiatrists and psychologists in the ADHD industry. Her life purpose is to help adults with ADHD accept themselves and move from point A to point B. She does this through her podcast that's called the I Have ADHD Podcast. And she also has a group coaching program, which any of you with ADHD, you have to check out. That's called Focused. And I will make sure to link all of Kristen's information below. So in this episode, you guys, I have to say that I am not someone who has ADHD. I have never felt like I really struggled with the symptoms of ADHD. But this conversation was so informative and enlightening to me. And I am going to take so many things away from my conversation with Kristen that's going to help change the way that I coach and I help those of you who are struggling with ADHD, specifically with your spending habits. But in this episode, we talk about Kristen's personal journey to her being diagnosed in her younger 20s and how her diagnosis changed her life. We're going to talk about why women are diagnosed with ADHD so much later in life compared to men. We're going to talk about what the symptoms of ADHD are and how ADHD impacts your ability to manage your finances, but also how it affects your spending habits. We are going to get some steps and some mindset shifts from Kristen that those of you with ADHD can take to manage your finances in a more balanced and healthy way. We're going to tell those of you who think that you might have ADHD, but you've never gotten tested, how you can get that evaluated for yourself. And also another common question that I get all the time from you guys is we're going to talk about how you can support someone in your life who has ADHD, who is struggling with your finances, and how you can be a supportive spouse, friend, coworker for them. Even if you do not have ADHD, you guys, I highly, highly encourage you to listen to this episode because even if you don't have it, there is someone in your life who does and someone in your life who I know would greatly appreciate you taking the time to hear this conversation and listen to it so that we can all be more informed about how ADHD impacts us in so many ways, especially with our finances. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode with Kristen Carter. All right, Kristen, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on this week and talk all about ADHD. You are the perfect girl for this conversation. So I'm so excited just to dive in. Hey, Paige, thanks so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Okay, well, let's start here. Tell everyone who doesn't know you or know about you, just tell us all about Kristen. Tell us mm. your background, your story, and how you got into this work of being an ADHD coach. Amazing. Yeah. So uh, my name is Kristen Carter. I have ADHD and I've been working in the ADHD space for about 10 years. I started working with students who struggled in school and many of those students had ADHD. And I kind of realized that I would like attract a lot of families who have ADHD. So that was really interesting. Around 2018, I found coaching. It completely changed my life. And I started incorporating coaching skills into the work that I was doing with my students and eventually just really felt 
led to coach adults with ADHD because it's a really underserved community, especially, you know, that was only a couple of years ago, but it was not trending on TikTok at the time. <laughs> many mm -hmm. people did not know about ADHD and so many people did not realize that adults could have ADHD. And so there was like a huge hole in the ADHD space. Um, and so I started podcasting. I got trained as a life coach. I started coaching adults with ADHD and turns out this is what I was always meant to do with my life. It is my life's calling. I just love it so much and feel so honored to be able to support so many people who have such amazing brains, but just need really specific support. Okay. So you have ADHD. How, if you don't mind sharing, how old were you when you were diagnosed? Were you diagnosed mm -hmm. as a young girl or have you always known that you had ADHD or is this something that you kind of found out about later on in life? I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was 21 years old, which is actually quite young for a female to be diagnosed. So the median age of female diagnosis right now is about 38 years old. So most women and girls are diagnosed much later in life. So I was actually very lucky to be diagnosed so early, even though it was 21 years old. And you can talk more about that if you want to. But my story is that my dad was diagnosed in his 40s after reading Ned Hallowell's book, Driven to Distraction. And then my dad started nagging me about having ADHD, which I appreciate very much. And it took me a couple of years to kind of consent to being evaluated. But when I was in college, double majoring, floundering, struggling with depression, anxiety, binge eating, just really not okay. I finally called my mom and said like, uh, you know, dad's been mentioning ADHD and something is going on. Like I know that I need help. And so I was evaluated then put on medication. It helped so much. It, it was kind of like a triage. If you think about like in medical terms, like when you discover that you have ADHD and you are such a mess, it is kind of like a triage situation where you just have to start with the gaping wounds. And that's really what it was. So medication was just a lifesaver for me at the time. But then I went 10 years, not really understanding what it means to have ADHD other than I struggled to focus. And so I was medicated, but I wasn't really moving forward and making progress with my life. I was still struggling with not having any money ever and procrastination and really just struggling with self-motivation and just watching a lot of daytime TV. So much live with Regis and Kelly at the time. And then the Tony Danza show and then the view would come on and then it would just be like the news. So I'd be like, well, I guess I got to take a shower now, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was just like really not living into my potential. And it wasn't until I started researching ADHD because I was working with so many students who had ADHD and then the combination of that and finding coaching, it was like the magic bullet for me, so to speak. And so I really began to thrive and reach my potential so much later in life than most people do. And that's my story. That's totally fine. I think that, you know, there are people being diagnosed in their fifties, sixties, and seventies and feeling like they are now just beginning to reach their potential. And so I think whenever that happens for any of us, it's a beautiful thing. Let's go back because I know you mentioned this and I do want to touch on this because I'm very curious about this. You guys couldn't see me, but when Kristen said that the average age of diagnosis for females is age 38, my jaw literally dropped because I'm just like, what? Is there a reason for that? Why is it that women are diagnosed so much later in life than men with ADHD? Obviously, I have some very strong opinions about this because obviously it's a topic that's really near and dear to my heart. So I would say this, when you think about ADHD, what do you picture? For the average person, they're picturing a little white boy in a classroom kind of bouncing off the walls. Mm -hmm. And so those are the people that have had the privilege of early diagnosis for the most part, it's been white boys in a classroom bouncing off the wall and they're kind of, you know, really disruptive. And so, so often the squeakiest wheel is getting the attention. And so they have had the privilege of diagnosis. Research has left out women. Research has left out people of color. 
and research has especially left out women of color, right? And so there is so little known about women with ADHD. And what happens usually is that females are socialized to be quiet and to be people pleasers. And so we usually can mask our symptoms really, really well. And Another component here is that ADHD has nothing to do with intelligence. And so when you have an intelligent woman who is achieving in school, but masking her symptoms and no one is realizing that she is pulling all-nighters, that she's completely stressed out, that she's not eating or she's overeating because she's trying to cope with all of the stress and the overwhelm when no one is asking about the behind the scenes, but they're looking at the finished product and they're saying, oh, you're achieving. Oh, you're getting your work done. You have a job. They're not asking deeper questions. And I have talked to so many women who have been dismissed by clinicians during ADHD evaluations because those clinicians have said, you're a lawyer. There's no way you could have ADHD. You're a doctor. You're a teacher. There's no way that you could have ADHD and still achieve these things. And that is complete and utter BS because a lot of people with ADHD are achieving, but having to work so much harder behind the scenes. And so it's like, I don't know if you watch the show Friends, but it's kind of like having the Monica like closet of shame. Like our lives are kind of like this production of achievement, but then we have all of these closets of shame where everything is just chaotic. And like, and we have that feeling of like, if they only knew, if they only knew what the behind the scenes was like, they would fire me or they wouldn't want to be my friend or, you know, fill in the blank. Mm. So women do a much better job of hiding it. And clinicians just don't know enough about ADHD to be able to look at someone who has achieved great things and still see the chaos and read between the lines and say like, oh, you're working so much harder than you should have to work to achieve these things. So yeah, there's so much more research that needs to be done. It it can be very frustrating. So before we started this episode, I told Kristen, you know, listen, I don't have ADHD, but I mean, in full transparency, I mean, it's not something that I've ever been tested for, but considering the fact that there could be many women listening to this episode who may potentially have ADHD, they just don't know it yet because they've never actually been evaluated or tested. What are some of the symptoms to say like, okay, if you're experiencing some of these things, it might be something that you want to get evaluated or looked into. Sure. There's like the set of symptoms. That's the diagnostic criteria. And then there's the set of symptoms that I I love to talk about anecdotally. So let's talk first about like diagnostic criteria. So being easily distracted, being really impulsive, difficulty stopping activities or behavior, like trouble regulating yourself and stopping behavior, starting projects without looking at or following directions, lots of failure following through on things that you say you're going to do, difficulty doing things in sequential order, internal feeling of restlessness or impatience, like all of this stuff. It's actually quite a complicated diagnosis. So I feel Mm -hmm. like I kind of like lose the crowd when I start talking about the actual symptoms, because it's not just like, oh, it's these three simple things. And like, just go talk to your doctor. It's super easy. It's, It's quite complex and nuanced. What I like to talk about when I speak anecdotally about what it's like to have ADHD, it's essentially like you just feel like everything is chaotic. You're always living in overwhelm. You have issues with time management. You can't remember to do the things that you you want to do. You're never quite feeling like you're reaching your potential. And you always just feel like you're behind. Like, how is everyone else doing this? And I just feel like crazy. I remember sitting in the classroom. This was when I was in high school. So it was prior to diagnosis. And I looked over at my friend. Her name was Bonnie. And she was writing down the homework in her planner. And I was like, I don't understand how you're doing that. You have a planner. You know where your planner is. You're writing it down. Things are color-coded. You're just sitting here right now doing the thing that you're supposed to do. Meanwhile, my backpack's exploding. Can't find a pencil. No intention of writing the homework down. I'm like, I'll just remember. It's no big deal. It was such a juxtaposition of her normal versus my normal. I don't remember much about my childhood, but I remember having the distinct thought of like, 
how does she do that? How does she just like write that down in her planner? And then I know she's just going to like do the homework tonight. Like how does someone just do that? And I think that is really kind of encompasses a lot of what it's like to have ADHD is like, how do people just say they're going to do something and then do it? How do people just put something on their calendar and then, and then follow their calendar? Like, how does that happen? I don't even understand. One of the key aspects of ADHD is that we struggle with executive functioning. And essentially that those are your skills that allow you to adult. And so a lot of people with ADHD just feel like, I just don't know how to function as an adult in the world. Silly mm-hmm. things, quote unquote, silly, easy things are actually really hard. It's like, oh, I forgot that groceries are a thing. I forgot that laundry is a thing. I forgot that dishes are a thing because we have an interest based nervous system. And so we're always going to be pulled towards the things that are really interesting to us. And we're always going to be turned off by the things that we find boring. And so that is really important to understand because it doesn't mean that you're not intelligent and it doesn't mean that you're lazy. It just means that the more interesting, complex, nuanced, fun problems are a lot easier to solve than the really simple, boring, mundane problems. And so I'm going to run a million dollar company, but I'm never going to do laundry. Right. And, And so we can often have a thought that's like, why can't I just be normal? Why can't I just do these simple things? And then the people around us will often think, why can't you do these easy things? What's wrong with you? Yeah. And so it's it's really hard to exist in the world like that. I hear that a lot with a lot of women in my community, just about, you know, like the executive functioning that you're talking about, just making a plan for your money and sticking to it. There's so much frustration there because they'll tell me like, why can't I just do this? it's not necessarily like figuring out the math or anything like that, because at the end of the day, it's like a third grader could do the math. It's really not that hard, but it's just this like frustration of, it feels like everyone can do this, but me, Mm -hmm. why can't I get it? What's wrong with me? And so it's like, I work with women who know that they have ADHD and they feel that frustration, but I hear that, I hear that frustration all the time, especially with just managing money and coming up with a plan and saying, okay, this is a plan for my money and I'm going to execute it and I'm going to stick to it. Uh, so frustrating. Why can't I just stick to it? And why can't I do it? So as you were saying that, I was like, oh yeah, like I hear this all the time. Yeah. And I have so much empathy for people who are so well-intentioned, but who just cannot follow through. And someone with ADHD is going to have really good intentions and massive difficulty following through. And then usually what happens is just a storm of shame and self-blame and lots of self-talk around why am I even bothering? Why am I even, why am I even doing this? And like, why am I even in this program? If I can't even like follow the, the methods and it's like, there must be something wrong with me. I'm broken. I guess I don't belong here. And what I want to say is like, I feel that so deeply and I want you to know that the support that you can receive, you might need to tweak it to be able to work for you, but it's so beautiful that you're giving yourself that support. And if you can figure out how to partner with your own brain in applying the support for you and not just squishing yourself into someone else's box, but taking the box and being like, this is amazing. Okay. How can I bedazzle this to make it mine? How can I make it mine so that I can fit into this? Because I think so many ADHDers, they withhold support from themselves. It's like a program like yours. So let's say like, you know, oh, I'm not going to follow through on that. So I'm not going to bother spend the money. When in fact, giving yourself that support is so, so, so important. And if you're willing to work with your brain and kind of tweak things to fit, then that combination is everything. And it really allows you to move forward. I love that because I hear this so much. And I feel like this comes from a lot of different places. Like it kind of comes from people pleaser, just having like the good student mentality. But I've been noticing this a lot lately of women coming into my program or community and just saying like, okay, I want to do it right. I want to follow the system. I want to like check all the boxes. 
looking kind of like for that external validation. And I'm always telling them, look to your point, like here's the box, but take the box. And I love how you say like bedazzle it. You know what I mean? It's like, (laughs) make it your own. It's okay. If you don't want to follow this step by step by step by step, because ultimately at the end of the day, the most important thing is what you said. You're giving yourself the support that you need so that you can create the results that you want that is the most important thing rather than you just coming in and like being a little robot Mm -hmm. and trying to like follow the system that ultimately like isn't going to work for you. Mm -hmm. So thank you for saying that because I see that all the time. So I love that you're saying like, give yourself the support that you need. Yes. I love to scream that from the rooftops because what we do as people with ADHD so often is that we try to punish ourselves And we say like, you don't deserve this support because you're not going to use it anyway. And there's like a tone with that. And I am sure that someone in our life has used that tone with us and probably said those words. And so those are probably borrowed thoughts, but the truth is we deserve support and people with ADHD and other mental health conditions deserve so much support. So, so, Mm -hmm. so, so, so much support. So give yourself the support, but allow yourself to follow through imperfectly. I love that. Let's start kind of like meshing ADHD with with money together. You've kind of walked us through, okay, these are some of the things to look out for and just symptoms of ADHD. But how does that manifest when it comes to managing our money? What are some things that you see with your clients a lot when it comes to maybe like the difficulties that they have? Let's go with like managing money, but then also with their spending habits, kind of those two camps. So I would say that it is deeply connected and that ADHD permeates every part of our life. I like to say from the boardroom to the bedroom, ADHD is going to be there everywhere. And money management is a huge component of that. The easiest thing to talk about is obviously with spending, we are impulsive people. And so self-regulation is very difficult for us. Now, ADHD is a spectrum disorder. So some people struggle with it, have debilitating symptoms, and some people are very high functioning. So wherever you fall on that impulsivity spectrum, you might find yourself impulse buying and not even really being present for that impulse buy. It's just like, it's happening. You're not even aware of it. Mm -hmm. Other people are very aware that it's happening, but can't seem to get themselves to stop. I feel like you are the expert in this, but when it comes to impulse spending, making sure that you are purchasing from a grounded place, I think is the most important thing because any emotion that is not grounded is going to lead you to buy something that you don't even want. I talk to my clients a lot because we often think the positive emotions are indicators that we should buy. So something like anticipation, excitement, you know, whatever the case may be, joy, you know, this pair of shoes brings me joy. Actually, I think the positive emotions can be the most dangerous when it comes to impulse spending because we're getting all of that dopamine and the ADHD brain craves dopamine. Um, We have less dopamine than the average brain. And so what I always remind my clients when it comes to spending is you should not be looking for your dopamine in your Amazon cart. That's not where we find dopamine. It's just not. That's not where dopamine is located. It is not a true dopamine that's going to give you results that serve you and that move you toward your goal. As long as someone is buying from a grounded place, you know, waiting a little bit before they purchase, making sure it kind of checks the boxes as far as like, yes, this is what this is what I want to do. And I'm making the decision with my executive brain because we have really brilliant decision makers. The problem is when we're making the decision in the moment on a high, really excited, that's when we get into trouble. So spending is just really, I think, being cognizant of how you're feeling. Yeah. I know you talk about that a lot because I stalked your Instagram. Yeah, I know. It's funny because, you know, I have a lot of women who reach out to, or just like, you know, I'll put a video out on social media, let's say on TikTok or something. And I love talking about, you know, what's happening in our brains when we are spending money, because I think it's just so helpful to bring awareness to the fact of like, listen, when you're 
thinking about buying something, or let's just say when you're exposed to an Instagram ad or you see a sale, to your point, dopamine actually starts to get released in the anticipation of the purchase. Your reward centers in your brain light up. Your brain becomes in a very emotional brain and all of the parts of our brain, to your point, the executive functions kind of get suppressed. So I love talking about that, but yet I still have all these women in my comments who are like, yeah, but I have ADHD. So I'm always on the hunt for dopamine or yeah, but it's like my brain craves dopamine more than like the average brain craves dopamine. And this is where I find it. And that's something I talk a lot about too. I'm like, your money isn't your form of entertainment. It shouldn't be right. Shopping and buying and acquiring. Like I love how you say like your Amazon card shouldn't be your source of dopamine. There's so many other ways to get a source of dopamine. But I think just in that moment, it's just that mindset of my brain craves dopamine and this is where I'm going to get it from. So that sounds to me like the client or the, the commenter has decided ahead of time that that's what's going to happen. And what I would do is push back on that and challenge it and say, what you're doing right now is deciding that you consent to shopping being your source of dopamine. And that is fine. Like, absolutely no judgment there, but don't expect your spending habits to change mm-hmm. if if that's the case, right? So like, right. sure, you can get your dopamine from wherever, like no judgment here. But if you want to stop overspending, you're going to have to decide to get your dopamine somewhere else. I mean, that's just reality. I think a big part of being a coach, I don't know if you find this to be true, is just like helping myself and my clients to live in reality, mm-hmm. right? It's like, we don't get to use spending as our dopamine hit and stop overspending. They're not compatible. That's not realistic. It's not living in reality. That's a fantasy. And yep. like, that would be fun, but it's just not reality. And so I think working toward living in reality where you are making the conscious choice. Okay. I'm going to go get some dopamine now and it's going to be from spending. And I'm making that conscious choice. At least you're aware of the situation, right? Rather than being like, I don't know why I'm overspending. It's like, okay, let's, let's at least start with being on the same page in reality. I think you hit the nail on the head because it's almost like there's just this acceptance of like, oh, I have ADHD. And so therefore I will always be an impulse shopper and I will always be an overspender because that's just how my brain is designed to work. And that's just like how it's going to be. And so I'm going to be totally honest with you. Like before talking to you, I wasn't sure about that. I wasn't sure like, well, is that true? Do people that have ADHD or like, that's just going to be the reality I think you've kind of changed my mind on that. It's more so a mindset of this is just your mindset and almost kind of like an acceptance of I have ADHD, therefore this is how it will be, but it doesn't have to be that way. Absolutely. What I, I, I'm like cheering. Yes. Agree 100%. And I always talk about how having ADHD is not an excuse. It's an explanation. And so Mm -hmm. an excuse sounds like, well, I have ADHD. I can't help it. End of story. End of conversation. That's an excuse. An explanation sounds like this is really, really, actually, let me say it this way. This is harder for me than it is for the average person. So I'm going to need to be very careful about how I approach this. That's an explanation. This is actually harder for me than it is for the average person because I have ADHD. That's true. So I'm going to need a lot more accountability, a lot more support. And this might take me like a lot longer. This might be a lifelong struggle. But once we know we have ADHD, we, it's not like we're off the hook. Instead, we actually have more responsibility. Oh, I have this thing that makes it harder for me. So I have a greater responsibility to be aware. I have a greater responsibility to make sure I have support. I have a greater responsibility to spend more time on this than the typical person does. And you know what? That's just the, that's the hand that I was dealt. Do I love it? No, I do not love it. Do I think ADHD is a gift? I do not. It makes everything so much harder. I know. And I kind of in doing a little research for this episode, I feel like I came across not from your page, but just on other pages, like talking about how, you know, it's like, Ooh, ADHD is your superpower and stuff like that. And I don't know. Cause I'm kind of like, 
do people with ADHD kind of view it that way? Because I mean, to me, it's like, I don't think you have to view it as like, oh, this is my superpower. I think it's totally fine to be like, I have ADHD and, you know, it makes things harder on me and I'm not so wild about it, but I don't think we have to view it as like, oh, this is my superpower. I mean, I get really fired up about this topic. Yeah. So, so fired up because I feel that it is very dismissive mm-hmm. of the true ADHD experience to yeah. call it a superpower. I also think that there's a lot of toxic positivity involved in that of just trying to cover up um, how difficult it is. I think I understand the the heart behind it, you know, want, really wanting to encourage people, really wanting to make people feel like their brains are not broken. But what happens is that then people are not taking it seriously. They're not getting treatment. They're not getting support. Mm-hmm. They're not putting in place all of the necessary scaffolding that they need in order to succeed. Because why would you do that if it's just a superpower? I mean, superpowers are fun. Yeah. Right. So like, why would I bother to go to the doctor? Why would I bother to take medication? Why would I bother to spend extra money on my mental health for a superpower? Yeah. I'm not positive, but I think where this started was when a lot of children started getting diagnosed and parents were really uncomfortable telling their kids, hey, you've got this thing. I think parents have tried to make it positive. Don't worry, Jimmy. ADHD doesn't mean you're broken. It's a superpower. When really like, no, Jimmy is struggling. He's having trouble making friends. He's having trouble in school. He's having trouble getting anything done. He's getting in trouble so much more than the average person. Don't tell Jimmy it's a superpower. Tell him, Jimmy, I know that this is really hard for you, but don't worry. We found out that you have ADHD. And so that means we get to help you. We get to support you. We get to give you everything you need to succeed. And so we're going to make your life so much better. And I appreciate you saying that because as someone who doesn't have ADHD, I feel like that's something that I've seen a lot. And I'm just kind of like, huh, like that's kind of, that's interesting. But I'm sure as someone who has ADHD, that has to be incredibly frustrating. And you even use the word like dismissive. And yeah, I can totally see that. So, mm-hmm. but let's talk about with our money someone with ADHD, they're like, okay, I'm really struggling with the money management stuff, you know, like creating a budget and sticking to a budget or kind of executing that plan. And then also like with the impulse spending, I know it's kind of like find a system, make it your own so that it gives you the support that you need. But what would be some of your tips and advice of someone who has ADHD that can take, let's say more of just like a typical, like, okay, here's a budget, here's a plan and kind of like make it their own in a way that would help someone that has ADHD. I love that question. And one thing that I should say to start off is if you are not treated for your ADHD, everything is going to be a million times harder. And so if you are struggling with your money management, and you have ADHD, and you want to solve your money management problem, go get treated for ADHD. That's step number one. That is step number one is like, take your ADHD seriously and treat it according to your doctor's, you know, orders or whatever, but that will help so much. Next, I would say that there are going to be different types of people. When I coach people on money, when I coach people with ADHD on money, I find that there's two types of people. There's the type of people that really love the details, really love to get into the nitty gritty of, you know, every single dollar being accounted for. And then there's the big picture people Mm -hmm. who are just like the nitty gritty details are so overwhelming. I cannot handle having to track like every $3 purchase. And so a big picture approach would be so much better for them. Mm -hmm. And what I love to say to people is it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Just engage with your money over and over every day. Just engage with your money. And as a coach for adults with ADHD, that seems to be the hardest part is just opening up the accounts and seeing what's there because there is so much shame. There is so much regret. There is so much blame. There's so much fear. And so all of these emotions are holding us captive and we're not able to just 
open up Wells Fargo and see what the heck is happening in there, you know? Yep. And so I just think that depending on what stage you're in, like if you're just not engaging with your accounts at all, just start there. Just hold space for yourself. Join Pages program. Like make sure that that there's a space for you to be able to safely engage with reality because so many people with ADHD are not willing to engage with the reality of their money because it is too scary. And so if that's it, if that's just like for a year, I'm not doing anything, but like practicing engaging with reality, beautiful. And then I would say like the next step after that, are you making more than you're spending? Can we just like track that? Like it doesn't have to be every single detail, but like in general, are you making more than you're spending? Are you able to spend within your means? And then like going in stages. Okay. We've done that for a while and we're pretty we're pretty good at that. So now next step, like, are we moving money over to savings? Is my money going where I want it to go? That's a great question. Like, not that I have to track every detail, but is my money going to the things that I want it to go to? Do you see how we can move in stages here? Because if you take someone with ADHD, who's totally avoidant, and we try to fit them into a program that's like, Hey, track every dollar. They're going to be like, and now I'm done. I do it for like three days, but that's Mm -hmm. it. So if, if it can be like a baby step thing, but even if you're in the baby step you know, track or whatever, I would still say, be a part of a coaching program, be a part of pages program, but whatever it is, like be a part of a program that's going to hold space for you. And that's going to remind you that money exists because I have a theory. ADHDers are time blind. We have a really hard time conceptualizing time. I think we're also money blind. I think we don't have any concept of money. I think that it's like, it's not really a real thing. It's like, whatever, it's all digital. And like, we don't have numbers on a screen. (laughs) It's not even real to us. We forget it exists. We don't even think about it most of the time. And so just being a part of a group that reminds you that money is a thing Mm -hmm. and like, Hey, jump on this call and maybe just like open up your apps during the call. Like that's all you have to do. You know, those kinds of baby steps are really important. Yeah. And I think that there's just a mindset of the really small steps or the really small actions. It's kind of like, well, what difference is that going to make? Right. Like what difference is it actually going to make me just like logging into my bank account for 60 seconds? And it's like, look, it's less about kind of like the tangible benefit that you're going to see. And it's more just about shifting your mindset. And I call it just being in the presence of your money, showing up for your money, being in the presence Mm -hmm. of it to your point just acknowledging that it's there and acknowledging that it exists. And it's almost kind of like saying hi to your money. And mm-hmm. I talk a lot about, you know, treating your money as a relationship, like you're in a relationship with a partner. And it's just kind of like checking in with your partner. You don't, it doesn't have to be anything crazy or elaborate. It's just like how you would shoot your partner, just a quick text, checking in with them. You can do the same mm-hmm. thing with your money. It's like logging into your bank account for 60 seconds a day being in the presence of it. And to your point, just reminding yourself like, okay, it exists. It's here. And I I tell people, you don't even have to do anything. You don't even have to do anything. You don't have to transfer anything. You don't have to track anything. Just log in. And again, people are like, well, what good is that going to do? I'm like, just try it. Yeah. And you would be so shocked at what a difference it makes. Also, one thing too that I feel like really helps is, again, this is a process that you kind of build yourself up to. I love how you say like baby steps, but I feel so much with our money can be automated and really turned into a system. I always tell people, I'm like, look, like managing your money doesn't have to be this intricate, cumbersome thing that like sucks up a lot of your time. 90% of money management can be automated so that you set up the system, which does take time and effort. But then once it's set up, you just kind of like are able to take your hands off the steering wheel and just kind of let the car drive itself, which I feel would also be something really, really helpful of just like, okay, let's set up the system that's just going to run automatically in the background so that frees up your time, effort, and energy, and you don't really have to worry about it. So I love that. I would add to that when the system inevitably, when something goes wrong, when there's an overdraft, when thing was supposed to be paid and it wasn't paid, when that happens, give yourself grace, get back on the horse. I think that's where a lot of people with ADHD tap out. Oh, well, the system didn't work. Great. Just another thing that I failed at. Great. Now, you know, I knew I wouldn't be able to do it. I knew I was broken. I knew, you know, fill in the blank. 
And one of the key things that I, I teach my clients is to throw out the word consistent. It's not going to be a thing mm-hmm. for someone with ADHD. Throw it in the trash. It's not a thing. Instead, be persistent. Be willing to just try over and over and over. You can be inconsistent and still reach your money goals. You can be inconsistent and still save for that thing that you're saving for. You can do it inconsistently. And all the traditional guru wisdom right now is, you know, you have to be consistent. Consistency is key. Consistency is how I found my success and you can too, blah, blah, blah. And that is trash for someone with ADHD. We're never going to be consistent and we don't have to be. You just have to be persistent. So it's going to, something's going to go wrong. It's going to happen. No problem. Just try again. Just try again. Just try again over and over and over until you reach your goals. Oh, thank you for saying that. And I'll just be totally honest right now and just kind of expose myself that I tend to preach that, that consistency message and just realizing and hearing you say that for someone with ADHD is like, it's, it's just going to take, like, they need to take a different lens from that. Mm. I'm really, really glad that you said that because Mm. just being totally honest, I'm so guilty of preaching, jumping on like the consistency bandwagon, right? Like being like, it's all about consistency, right? So I love that you say throwing out the word consistent and you can still get results with inconsistency. I love that. 100%. I just think that's so beautiful. I appreciate your vulnerability there because I think you know, for a typical brain, that advice is perfect. Mm -hmm. And for someone with ADHD or someone with like a mental health condition, like if you're struggling with depression, if you have anxiety, like you're not consistent, your body's not consistent, your brain's not consistent. It's just not a thing. And so being, having the freedom to be inconsistent and the encouragement that like, listen, you'll still get there. Like just be persistent with it that'll give your clients a lot of relief. I love that. Thank you for saying that. Okay. One more question I have for you. This was actually, I've gotten this question several, several times. Women in my community who they don't have ADHD, but someone close to them in their life does. And it's normally, I would say nine times out of 10, it's a, it's a spouse or a partner and it's impacting, you know, kind of like their financial situation and also their spending habits. And they, reach out to me and they say, okay, I'm just going to use this, this example. My husband has ADHD. He's doing a lot of impulse shopping. He's buying a lot of things. It's impacting our finances in a negative way. And I don't know how to help him. I don't know how to support him, but money is a tricky thing because like for a lot of people, it's a combined resource, right? And so one's person's actions can have an effect on another person in situations where finances are combined. And I've had a lot of women ask me like, how do I help? How do I support? And I don't really feel like I have a good answer for them. So I figured you're the girl to ask. Oh my goodness. Yeah. This is really, really tricky because like you said, finances are often connected and what one person chooses to do can affect the other person. I would say always understand that if we're going to use impulse shopping as a, an example, it's a symptom of something deeper going on. And so always encouraging your partner to have self-awareness and always encouraging your partner if they if they have ADHD you know to take it seriously and as the person with ADHD it, it's hard because if, if I did not have ADHD but my spouse did and I knew everything that I knew about ADHD I would be setting a very strict boundary of like you have to take this seriously because it is affecting our family. It's affecting our finances. And so, you know, if you don't take it seriously, then I'm going to have my money in a separate account. That's what I would do personally. Yeah. And I know that's that those are strong words. Those are very, I don't know if everybody would feel comfortable, Mm -hmm. but essentially the boundary is like, I need to make sure that I am safe and taking care of like my stewarding my own money, the way that I feel is right. And because you have this thing happening that you're not willing to treat and take seriously, I'm going to go ahead and move my money over here. And of course, I'm still going to be contributing to the family 100%, but it's not up for your, your spending. It's just not available. 
And sometimes it's just like, that's kind of the boundary that you have to set. That's kind Mm -hmm. of like the uncomfortable boundary of, of having to do that, but also, yeah. And it's hard. I mean, gosh, like that's, that's so, so hard, but also I, I love how you say, listen, like kind of telling your partner, I'm here for you. I support you. Like, this is something that's not to be taken lightly. We need to take this seriously and we need to find, you know, systems and solutions that are going to help you Mm. because this is something that not only is affecting you, but it's affecting our family via Mm. our finances. I think just being a supportive partner in that way, but absolutely. And, and understand that if your partner is spending so much, there's, he's feeling so much shame. They are feeling so much shame. And so making sure that you're not contributing to the shame Yes. would be really helpful. You can set boundaries. You can be clear and assertive and kind without contributing to the shame. So mm-hmm. contributing to shame sounds like what is wrong with you? Why don't you care about us? What, you know, why are you doing this again and again? That's just contributing to shame. Yes. But being boundaried sounds like, hey, I love you so much. I want to support you. How can we support you? And then if that support is not taken, then it's like, I love you so much. And I, because I love you and our family so much, I'm just going to, I'm going to have my accounts deposited somewhere else. And it can be done without shame and without judgment, but with a lot of clarity and kindness and compassion. Yeah. You know, I talk a lot about when it's you and a spouse or a partner understanding that each individual and Kristen's a um, LCS certified coach like I am, you guys. So she knows the model. I talk about the model all the time on the Mm. podcast, right? But I always say we all have our own individual models and your spouse or partner has their model that's going Mm. on. And to your point, I feel like getting to that point of curiosity and compassion rather than criticism and understanding like they have their own model going on right now. And the spending and the impulse buying that they're doing is just something in their A-line. That's a result of other things that are going on in their model. And like you said, it's a symptom of a greater problem or a greater issue. And so piling on the shame and the criticism of why can't you stop? Why can't you get it together? That's not helping the problem. And I think that that's our first go-to is defaulting to the criticism because Mm -hmm. we think that criticism is the most effective way to get somebody to change and to get them to do what we want them to do, which if you've ever tried that, you obviously realize that it doesn't work at all. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like understand saying, no, this is just a symptom to a greater problem. I have my model. They have their models. Let me get curious and try to figure out what is happening here and what is going on, because that will give you understanding that then you can approach the situation with compassion, but also to try to help to find a solution. So Mm, it's beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, that was so, so helpful. So we're going to wrap up here. And I just have to say, thank you so much for your time. I know that this conversation is going to help so many women who have ADHD or maybe even someone listening who is not yet diagnosed that after hearing this, they're like, yeah, this maybe could be the reason that I've been struggling so much and maybe just encourage them to get them evaluated or tested. Before we log off, can you just tell someone maybe who's in that position, if someone does want to get evaluated or tested, how would someone go about doing that? That's a great question. So it does depend on what country you're in. So I'm going to speak to just like people in America. Your family doctor can evaluate you and diagnose you if they are comfortable doing that. So if you have a, a doctor that you love, I would start there. Another great way to go about doing it is to see a psychologist and some psychiatrists diagnose, some don't. But what I will say is most clinicians do not have a full picture of what it means for an adult to have ADHD. And so if you are curious and you're thinking, "Hmm, maybe I have ADHD, what I would do first uh, before you do anything else is go to my website and print out the symptoms. Because what you want to be able to do is have kind of some evidence of, hey, I struggle with this and this is where I struggle with it. And so you can make notes and you can, you can uh, circle them and just make sure that you are going in pretty knowledgeable about ADHD, because please keep in mind that your clinician 
a typical clinicians are going to have like maybe one page in one textbook of their entire academic career that will tell them about ADHD. And it's usually going to be in the context of kids. So if you like, you're the one that's going to need to be the expert, which I know can sound intimidating. I totally understand that. I know that can feel like, well, I'm not a doctor. Like this is daunting. I get that. But just start to like peruse the symptoms and arm yourself with that as you go into an evaluation. Okay. That's so, so helpful. So tell us where people can find you. You also have a program. You guys, any of you who have ADHD, you have to check out Kristen's program. It's a membership, right? Yep. Okay. So so tell us about that. Okay, great. So I have a coaching program for adults with ADHD called Focused. And I see clients from all over the world. It is the most beautiful, welcoming community. Um, There's a combination of like courses and live classes, and it's been a wild ride. I've supported thousands of people in that program. And it's such a privilege. It's such a privilege. We just love it so much. So yeah, if you're interested in learning more about that, you can go to my website, IHaveADHD.com. Okay. And you also have a podcast, right? I do. Yes. I have a podcast. It's called the I Have ADHD podcast. Um, And you can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts. And I like to hang out on Instagram. Um, I'm not cool enough for TikTok. I'm not sure why, but I'm just not. So I'm at I Have ADHD podcast on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kristen. I appreciate you being on the show. Thanks for having me. Hey girl, if you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in overcoming overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, the student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money, and your spending will be controlled, purposeful, and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's 100% risk-free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.